0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over a hundred startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out, you can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to com slash members and get your first month free. What is going on Ready Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Rove Eyewear, Max Greenberg. Max, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely. So for the listener that's never heard of Rove Eyewear, how would you best describe it uh, to someone who's never heard of you? All right. So we make the
0: world's thinnest folding sunglasses. Uh, so they're really, you know, for comparison's sake, about the thickness of an iPhone. So it's, it's the first pair of shades that you can really fold up and, and pocket just as easily as you would your phone or wallet or keys. And, you know, enables you to take it with you everywhere all the time, bring it with you anywhere. I think it's a really great, like, value add. And in addition to that, we've, you know, really spent a lot of time and effort developing glasses that are super durable, really lightweight and comfortable, and, you know, also look great. We have a bunch of different styles. So, yeah, that's, that's Robe Eyewear in, uh, in a minute.
1: Where did the idea come from? Like, what made you decide, like, hey, I'm going to start an eyewear company? So
0: the, the initial idea actually came way before me actually deciding to, to start a company off of the idea. I think it was probably like a decade ago or something. I was traveling in Europe with my family. I was, you know, being a tourist one day and it was constantly going into shops and museums and taking my sunglasses on and off and just becoming really frustrated with, you know, having this really bulky case on me. And then, you know, I kept like giving it to my mom so she could put it in her purse because I didn't have a bag with me. Um, and then, you know, I'd have either like put the sunglasses on my head or on my shirt collar and just thinking, you know, like, why can't these go in my pocket? Is it really that hard to make sunglasses that fold up and go in your pocket? And then flash forward years later after I'd done my mechanical engineering undergraduate degree. And then I went to grad school for product design. And my last term, I just decided for, you know, one of my projects to build a prototype. And it was way different from the final product now, but I built, you know, a little folding sunglasses prototype and it worked okay. And I thought, you know, this is cool. People seem to love it. Uh, And, you know, the next few months after grad school, I just thought, you know, maybe I can make a business out of this. Let's, let's see what happens.
1: Now, so you, you obviously went to school to be to build things, right, and design products. Did you, as a young kid, did you always know that's what you wanted to do?
0: Yeah. So, as a young kid, I I wanted to be, you know, like I just dreamed of being like this mad scientist inventor. Uh, and I don't know, I had a sense from a very young age that I wanted to design products, and I think specifically, kind of at the intersection of, you know, engineering and Design and fashion in like the product development process, I had a sense that you know those two parts of the product development process the engineering and the, the design are typically like fighting one another and I you know I was interested in both i you know you, you choose whether you want to go to school for engineering or product design and then those create two different entirely you know different ways of thinking and two different sets of people that have to eventually come and work together I decided to study engineering first and then you know kind of near the end of that discovered what product design was and you know if you could even go to school for that so i went to receive my master's in industrial design in pasadena at art center um and then you know kind of gave me this like perfect i think skill set to be able to solve a problem that was inherently very engineering and technical but also needed great care put into you know, preserving the the design and aesthetic because people aren't going to wear a pair
1: of glasses unless they look good. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my first uh, reaction when I discovered you guys was, okay, so folding sunglasses have, it's not like that hasn't been invented before. But when, you know, doing a little bit deeper digging, you're like, wait a minute, these are actually kind of cool looking. They seem like they stay together. They actually hold, they stay on your face. They don't like just like fold. Um so you must have gone through quite a few prototypes before you really got to the point like okay this is exactly what I want to offer consumers. Mhm. Yeah, there
0: was there was definitely a lot of that and a lot of you know worry if you know will this even work or like this might be the nail in the coffin for the design unless we could solve this problem. So there was you know there was the first prototype I did back in uh my last term of grad school and it was you know i laser cut sheet metal i had this one company do that and then i had another company called proto labs that had this cool dmls process it was like a 3d printing of metal so i was able to use that to print these really small hinges because normal eyewear hinges you know were too big and wouldn't allow the glasses to fold as thin as i wanted them if i just bought you know off-the-shelf hinges and you know the final product worked, it folded up, it fit okay, but everything was kind of loose. And you know, you'll notice that if you you owned a pair of glasses for a long time, is the hinges come loose over time. The screw becomes loose and the hinges start, you know, the temples start flapping around. So this was that problem like amplified because there's not just hinges in the temples, there's hinges in the bridge and you know these extra hinges in the temples. So we basically, after I, you know, after I graduated and started looking for, you know, manufacturers, I was lucky to to find uh, this guy who's now a, a partner in the business who works out of China. His name's Thomas, and he's got a ton of experience in supply chain and a bunch of manufacturing connections. And he was able to make connections with factories that were really willing to, you know, prototype from the ground up and and develop the glasses completely from scratch so you know this you know the next development was figuring out how to remove the screws from the hinges and make the hinges really small so we developed these micro screwless hinges we call them which are actually formed into the sheet metal body itself so rather than being a separate hinge that's soldered or glued or riveted onto the frame it's it's part of the frame which makes it really durable Um, And if the glasses, you know, do come apart, you can basically snap them back together. So they're, you know, become super durable and almost unbreakable in that respect. Um, And then it was, you know, a matter of getting the fit to be perfect, figuring out how to make the temples really adjustable so that customers can make them fit whatever face size they have. And then, yeah, also coming up with a number of styles that looked good on everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, you, it's not like you have one or two styles. You have quite a few options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I wrestled with in the beginning was whether to take, like, a lot of companies do, like, you know, the Casper mattress or Allbirds sneakers. It's, you know, it's like one option that they say is, like, perfect for everyone. then um, with sunglasses, we realized it, it wasn't going to be possible. There's different, so many different face sizes. and Different face shapes only look good in certain shapes of glasses. Um, so we we you know kind of started to realize that we needed to be able to offer as many shapes and styles as any major eyewear brand. But we needed to you know also offer these like cool additional
1: features that made our glasses a bit better. That's so interesting. Okay, so you from the time period of going on vacation with your with your family to the launch of your Kickstarter campaign, and you got your Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaign. You guys raised over two hundred thousand dollars, which clearly proves the concept, right? Then what happened? What was next?
0: So we finished the Kickstarter. We were already pretty far into the product development process at that point. We knew the glasses could be made. We'd already made some. know a short run of prototypes that still needed a bit of refining but were basically there. So the next three to four months was basically just manufacturing them at, at scale and making sure quality was there, fixing some of the bugs that we had in you know the early prototypes, and then also figuring out where do we go next, which is kind of the scary thing because Kickstarter felt sort of planned out we we knew basically what we had to do. I hired a, uh, a marketing agency that focused on crowdfunding campaigns. so they kind of told me what needed to happen. I knew I needed a video. I knew I needed somebody to help market it. that's what they did. Um, and it just sort of you know came together and, and happened. but after that was you know the scary part of okay. You know, e-commerce is maybe a bit more of a vast ocean that we can get lost in. And and you know, there's also retail, but that requires industry connections and sales
1: reps. So yeah, that's when it started to get a little uh a little scary. So what did, what did the growth look like? You obviously had a very successful Kickstarter campaign post-campaign. Um, how well has it been received?
0: So it's been really well received, and people love the product. People have been using the product, love it. One of the best parts is getting, you know, stories of customers that have, you know, have some crazy adventure involving, you know, losing the sunglasses or and then refinding them or having them run over by a car and then snapping them back together and working again. Um, so, so people seem to really love the product. It was, it was really a matter of figuring out how to how to scale and how to deliver a great experience to the the customer i think one of our biggest mistakes early on was trying to be innovative in every aspect of the company so you know we we obviously wanted to be innovative on the product and we were innovative but instead of just focusing on that we spent time after the kickstarter trying to develop this really insane website that had you know all of these custom developments and like moving video aspect um and also the uh the way we were gonna like sell the product was to each month release a limited edition new set of styles so have limited editions released every month um and try to sell out and we had a countdown timer on the website uh and try to draw like you know a craze and uh yeah i guess like a fear of missing out with with that sort of product cycle, but it, it ended up being like way too complex. The website didn't work the way we wanted it to. Um, so we we ended up kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, we've got a really great product. People love it. How can we like just find the most efficient way to deliver this product, uh, you know, with great customer service to the customer? And that ended up being, you know, a Shopify website and you know relatively standard theme template and you know just trying to to slowly grow our our marketing channel and yeah it's it's been it's been going good so far we've sold another three to four hundred thousand dollars since we launched or since we shipped about a year ago through our online channel um and we're kind of growing the uh the retail channel alongside
1: it. Well that's pretty incredible in a year to do that kind of revenue um like c- c- that's awesome like congratulations just first and foremost but I, what I want to ask Thank is what w- how does the the um what channels would you say attribute to most of the success is it Facebook ads do you just feel like it's the fact you have a quality product like what do you feel like is really helping you be so successful online? Yeah, so we We had
0: a marketing guy shortly after the the Kickstarter, but that was kind of when we were, you know, making all these mistakes with our e-commerce channel and really like finding our feet. And then we, you know, the the marketing guy that we had left and we just sort of, you know, we're just we were just getting organic sales and we have a really great repeat customer rate, which is is one of our best metrics and shows us that people really like the product and once they wanna buy another pair, they they come back and buy one from us. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really until only like 4 months ago that we started advertising again. We brought in another marketing guy and he's been great and I'd say primarily our biggest channel is is Facebook. We're doing some, you know, some Instagram ads too and starting to to explore Google AdWords. So, yeah, right now we're just kind of Growing the the Facebook channel and trying to see how it with scales. We have really good ROI on on that channel so far, but there's only so much we can dedicate in ad spend each month, and we only have so much inventory uh, each month to be able to sell. So basically, the plan now is let's see how we can scale this thing, and then also possibly if we did if we did raise some money or have more money in the bank, figure out some some kind of new creative ways to spend marketing dollars i think influencer i've seen be be really successful do more brand collaborations and and get more pr i think would all be really really great
1: ways of generating interest now did you have any mentors along this journey from when you guys got started in in late 2015 to now uh, i i wouldn't say we had uh I had a single
0: mentor i I definitely leaned on my dad a bit when I was starting. He works in finance, so he was able to help with some of like the incorporating the business and getting our accounting set up and all of those things that I really had, had no idea how to do. And then the other big f- place that I leaned on was just the, the art center community. So I, I still live in Pasadena where I went to, to grad school. At a, It's called Art Center College of Design. So it's a really amazing design school in in Pasadena. The campus is like this really beautiful location that overlooks the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And I have, you know, a, my program was only 11 other students. So the connections that I made there were all really great. I got, you know, a great community of people that I could bounce bounce ideas off of. Great instructors that I could get feedback from, and you know I can always go up there and use their machine shop and laser cutters, and you know I have a bunch of people that I can try different glasses on to make make sure they fit a bunch of different types of faces. Um, so yeah, just
1: having that community there has also been really great for the business. Now, in terms of manufacturing, how have you kept um, sustainability really front and center um, in developing? uh
0: yeah so sustainability is i think something that we're more growing into than we're really able to to fully figure out kind of at the the early stages we were so focused on developing the product making it the way we wanted it and you know be able to deliver it customers at you know a reasonable price point and also fast and in you know up to our strict quality standards so you know we're now starting to to think about sustainability and you know it's something i really care a lot about and want to incorporate into the business so we're just you know now start starting to 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 bring that more into the front and center we're in the process of becoming a member of the the 1% for the planet organization which is a really great organization that works with a whole bunch of different environmental causes and and also looking into different ways that we can you know improve our our manufacturing sustainability we're you know we're a pretty lean product in the fact that you know our manufacturing takes very little uh, very little processes and also you know we laser cut the sheet metal so there's no tooling that we need for the frames we use stainless steel which is a relatively clean material um, so we're doing our best but I think there's always ways we can improve and that's something we're you know, we're really excited about figuring out in the next year or so. Definitely. Now, I got to ask you, where? Wh- how did you guys come up with the name? Okay, so it's it started out kind of when I I did this as a, a grad school project as uh, as wander, and I you know I like the idea of using in you know an adjective as like a noun, like describing the experience, exploring, wandering. Traveling and making that part of the name. And then, you know, in the process of kind of rethinking it, I I think actually a friend of mine uh, had the idea for, for Rove. At that point, it was R O V E. And, you know, we didn't love when you typed Rove into Google or went to rove.com. It was all about Carl Rove. So we decided to, to change the spelling, try to make it a bit more unique. And and, you know, we, we also liked the way the A and the V played off of each other in the logo. So yeah, that became the name and it's sort of embodies the, the feeling we want our customers to have when they're using the product and the ideal that we wanted to embody, which is to, to rove, to wander, to explore, to be spontaneous, to not really have a, a plan, but always be prepared, always have your glasses with you. And, uh. Yeah, we think it's
1: kind of fun in that way. Love it. Love it. What's been the hardest part about starting and building Rove? Um, I'd
0: say the hardest part has probably been been the, the sales aspect of it, just because that's not in, in my DNA. I really love to develop really amazing products and, you know, spend all day and night just like obsessing over like how to make this one detail of the product better and i think to, to pull myself away from from that and to try to focus on on delivering the product and marketing the product and uh and and all of those things that are necessary to run a successful business has been has been hard just because it's it's not in my nature but that's been, you know, one of the more rewarding and fun parts of the business. And I, you know, I think I get some of the most satisfaction out of seeing like a big sale come in or getting a big new account. So it's something that I think, you know, we're, we're really growing into, but, uh, yeah, initially it was kind of, uh, hard, hard to motivate because it's not, it's not what I do. It's not in my blood.
1: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, so (laughs) what advice would you give to someone? Uh, that wanted to start a business, whether it was a fashion eyewear or just really any kind of business in general. Yeah, let's see. So, I think i would
0: I would probably advise that they they try to focus on like a specific user group or audience, and not try to be too too broad. I think that's something we struggled with initially is we we loved our product so much and we felt like there were so many people that would want to use it that we we didn't necessarily allow ourselves to like focus on a specific market like you know the the outdoor market or the fashion market um or the accessory market or the optical market. We we kind of wanted to be everything to everyone. And I I think you know a company can still grow into that. But to focus on a specific, more niche audience initially, I think helps give the the brand a, a stronger voice and a stronger story, and also a stronger relationship with that one audience that they want to be communicating with and kind of be their, you know, their their initial set of really hardcore users, and then and then grow from there.
1: In in terms of um, um the business. W- you're obviously focused on eyewear. So I want to ask you, where do you see it going in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road, if you've thought about it? Yeah. So I'm really passionate about
0: kind of, of everyday carry items and also, you know, different ways you can travel and different stories of adventure and kind of the, the tools that, that inspire those. So before, uh, I went to grad school actually and and partially like I'd say like for my first year in grad school, I really wanted to be a mechanical watch designer. So I wanted to build mechanical watches because I thought they, you know, they were this like beautiful uh beautiful way of combining like these technical features, gears and springs and all these other little mechanical components with like a really beautiful, fashionable form factor um and and i think you know i I kind of have have used a similar skill set in designing robe eyewear and a similar mindset but i'm still really drawn to the idea of of making items and, and tools that are you know just a bit a bit better than they are right now so i can see us getting into watches and i think you know like wallets would be a really cool place to 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 look at so i i think we we want to continue to grow the the eyewear part of it we're we're also working on optical frames that have you know can have prescription lenses put into them uh, and also some different ways that we can take our our current folding concept and kind of just play with it use some different materials um, and different things that make it a bit more exciting but I think if yeah, if you look at Rove ten years from now, it's you know it's very possible we could offer other types of of fashion everyday carry items like watches and wallets and hats and shoes um, and uh
1: yeah, things like that well, what's the best part about running and building rove uh, I would say probably the the product development
0: is what. What keeps me going? It's it's probably like less than ten percent of the time that I spend is is doing product development, but it's it's why I got into this. It's what I have so much fun doing. Really thinking about how to make the product better, how to you know, come up with more shapes and, and styles, use of different materials, uh, and kind of playing with all of those elements is what really you know keeps me going. I think.
1: Yeah, no, I I can hear hear it in your voice when you talk about it. Like the the designing, the tinkering, it's always so much fun, um, and yeah. just the 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 opportunity to sort of um, showcase and highlight your own um, designs and creativity, right? To, yeah, to your consumer. It's base. really
0: it's really like a personal thing. I mean, I think I define kind of the difference as difference between art and design being you know art is just this this pure personal expression, whereas design is really. Focused on on the customer and solving their needs, um, and I I try to keep a good balance. But I think a lot of what I do is really me just building the things that that I that I want and that I think are beautiful, and I want to see exist in the world. And you know, really just hoping that other people also find like an interest and use for those things as well.
1: Well, sounds like you're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Max, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and really share your story. But for the listener that wants to keep tabs on everything going on with Rove um, in the future, where's the best place for them to do that? I would say uh, at
0: Rove Eyewear is our Instagram. And then if they go on our website, com, they can sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep them in touch with all of our
1: upcoming sales and new product releases and all that good stuff. Definitely. And, and for anyone listening between July 10th and August 7th, we're actually going to be giving away a couple of pairs of Rovi, wear along with a ton of other gear. The theme of this giveaway is going to be travel. So definitely check that out on ready And with that, Max, thanks so much again for taking the time to share your story. It really was uh, fun hearing, uh, hearing how everything got started and where you guys are going in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.